Welcome to the Core Women Podcast, the place for women entrepreneurs, authors, and self-starters looking to build community and gain valuable insights through expert interviews with women at the top of their game. Join your host, podcaster, producer, expert coach, entrepreneur, and author, Dr. Summer Watson, as she aims to inspire and empower you through these candid conversations. Lean in and embrace the journey. It's time to start the show. Here's your host, Dr. Summer Watson. Today on the show, I would like to welcome Michelle Madrid, who is the author of Let Us Be Greater, A Gentle Guided Path to Healing for Adoptees. She is an international adoptee, former foster child in the UK, and an adoptee empowerment life coach who has been recognized as an angel's in Adoption Honoree by the Congressional Coalition on Adoption Institute, or CCAI, and inducted into the New Mexico Women's Hall of Fame for her work in adoption. Welcome, Michelle, and let's just dive right into this today. Thank you so much for having me. I can't wait to chat more. Thank you. Absolutely. So we certainly have a lot to talk about, but before we explore your professional journey, can you describe your life in one word to this point? Oh, okay. One word. Transformational. Why that word? What was significant when that came to mind? There's been so much learning and discovery and so many shifts and internal growth along my journey as a former foster child, international adoptee, and, you know, coming to a new country to be raised. I just look at my life and say so many transformational moments, so many shifts, and maybe beyond transformational, I think there is a resiliency that I would say is probably a word I would use along this journey to stay open to the changes in my life and to somehow, even in the darker moments, believe in a light that was within me that I was supposed to figure out how to ignite and and shine bright. I always had that sense of light within, even when life seemed really dark and confusing. And I think that there was a willingness to transform and to pioneer my life forward to like to be the the explorer of who I am and why I'm here. There's so many questions for me growing up, you know, as a foster and international adoptee, just so many questions I had about my worth, my value. And I think my life has been a journey of coming back to that innate place of self-worth and transforming along the way into the next version I'm here to be. And then that next version and So growth, growth and transformation and some resiliency sprinkled in for sure. I love that. And I love what you said about the innate part, having that within you always somehow having that and you've cultivated that. Let's talk about your personal journey, where you grew up and some of the experiences that were specific to how you got to where you are today in your, your journey, your life and what your focus is today because of those experiences. You know, I was born in the United Kingdom and placed in foster care as a baby. My first mother was English, first father Spanish, and my mother was married at the time she um, was pregnant with me. She was married to another man with, they shared three children, and um, she had an affair with my father, and I was the product of that affair. And so 
when the news of me came out, my mom had decisions to make under very difficult circumstances. And ultimately her decision was, her choice was to bring me into this world and um, place me into foster care. I don't know, ever since I was a kid, I had this feeling that I just wasn't worthy, I, that I wasn't wanted, and I wasn't welcome in into this world, into my own life. It was something I can go back so far in, a, you know, in the past and in, into the little girl I was. I look into her heart and I, I can see those beliefs and how they were seated. I believe that, you know, our stories start in the womb and um, we feel what our our mothers feel when we're in the womb. We feel what they feel in the world. And so we're born into the world, I believe, with a lot of information. And I just had this sense of unworthiness and being placed in foster care and left in that way. And then being, you know, labeled in foster care, I call them my logos of limitation. I, you know, the limiting beliefs that were placed onto me and written in my foster records of being difficult to place and an unwanted child, illegitimate, dark, you know, you know, seemingly look, looking like her father, the Spaniard, all of these things that were in my foster records that devalued me. And when words like that are spoken to you, I believe that they adhere to your spirit, our precious young spirits. And so even after adoption, I didn't feel a sense of worthiness. I really struggled with that. And inside of my adoptive family, um, my adoptive father struggled with alcohol addiction. And so I grew up in a home where um, I heard and, and experienced not physical abuse, but definitely verbal, emotional abuse. I just never felt worthy. Summer, it has been the journey for me to come back to that innate place of worthiness. And so that has required me along the way to understand the power of my truth, to journey back to the truth of me and what that is for me as an adoptee. It had a lot to do in the beginnings of claiming my birth father's last name of Madrid in his Spanish origins tattooing my first name before I was adopted, Julia Dawn, onto my arm. And little by little, taking back um, pieces of my own identity, pieces of my journey, pieces of my story, and starting to put those things together, sort of like a puzzle. And the bravery of saying, this is what I need versus I'm going to do what everyone else needs or wants from me so that I, I'm not so at risk of being rejected again. I was, you know, a chronic people pleaser for a very long time. And I hid the imperfections of my story because I believed that imperfect people get sent back and had a lot of limiting beliefs. Those logos of limitation really stuck. And so the journey back to me has been one of honoring the craving, the hunger inside of me to know my truth and to get back to that light within me that felt so dimmed down by my circumstances to believe that that light still existed, even if it was just a spark, and to do the work of coming home to myself and reuniting with myself. You know, I reunited with my first mom in England when I was a teenager. And one of the big lessons I learned at that time in my life is that no one outside of ourselves can really heal us. We sometimes look to others to give us the answers that we're desiring or to offer us some sort of magical healing bomb, but truly that is all within us. And when I understood that not even my first mom could offer me the things that I was hungry for, 
you know, she was moving through her own trauma of letting me go so long ago. And I realized that I had to be the one who was willing to come to my own rescue. And I had to do that hard work. And I had to love myself enough that if even people around me didn't understand that I had to be okay with that, I had to love myself more than allowing myself to continue to hurt and live, but a shadow of who I'm here to be. Wow. You know, you mentioned so many things here, Michelle, regarding what you think could be part of your DNA, what we learn prenatally, all that stuff, what we've brought forward, the hurt, the trauma, the abandonment all of these different things, and we can put lots of different titles to it, but it really comes down to how do we go and put that puzzle back together, those pieces together for ourselves, then we can grow and thrive and not be set into what everybody else wants, the conditioning or the trauma that has been placed upon you. We don't have to absorb all of that. A lot of people will be like, oh my gosh, even for me, like growing up, knowing some of the difficulties that I've been, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And finally, when it got to a point where it was like, stop, stop saying sorry, because that makes me hold on to that trauma. So my question for you is because you've been through so much and, you know, this is such a, an interesting and impactful story. Where was the point where you said, aha, I now met my biological mom. I know she can't fill the gaps for everything that I need, but did it soothe you to a certain degree to hear certain things or just to see her? Oh, yes. I remember getting off the plane. I flew there um, as a teen, almost 16, um, and I flew to London by myself, and I remember getting off the plane and walking through customs. And the customs officer looked at my passport and saw that I, you know, was from the United Kingdom. And he looked at me and he said, welcome home. I get tears in my eyes when I think about that, because I remember physically what I felt when he said that. I felt this sense of familiarity also at the same time, the sense of being a foreigner in my own land and being certain about being there, but also incredibly uncertain about being there. And I I remember saying to him, thank you. And I remember my hands trembling and I walked through customs and into the arrival terminal and there was just a sea of people there. And I thought immediately, what if she's not here? Mm. What if my mom didn't come? What if I can't find her? Will I know her when I see her? And I just had all of these emotions swirling around inside of me. And then it seemed like this crowd just like parted in this beautiful moment. And I saw this woman standing not that far from me, but far enough where I um, I could take a moment just to take her in. And she was wearing this lilac colored dress. And I she took my breath away. Wow. And I remember feeling... When I got off the plane, I was walking through customs and all of the the emotions. I thought, the first thing I'm going to do when I see her is I'm going to tell her how much it hurt what she did, that she abandoned me and it hurt me. And I have really struggled and I need her to know that. And I need to speak these words. And when I saw her and I started moving toward her, the anger in me started to melt away because I saw myself in her. I was looking at a woman who resembled me, not in our 
coloring, hair color, our skin tone. I'm much more like my Mediterranean father, but in our features, in the shape of our body. And I just, everything that was, you know, set on anger melted away. And I fell into her arms and she fell into mine and we cried and we caught our breath and we looked at each other and she held my face and um, we had no words in, in that moment. We walked to her car and put my suitcase in and we started on the about two hour journey to where she lived at the time from London. And I remember her looking at me at one point and saying, you know, Julia Dawn. And then she caught herself and she looked at me and she said, I can't believe they changed your name. Hmm. And I said, mom, so much changed. Everything changed. And from that point, we just drove together quietly, but taking each other in with our eyes and just experiencing this moment of being birthed back into each other's lives, I think, truly. And it was a beautiful healing moment. It was also complex and complicated. And there were sad times with her of getting to know the woman that I, I wasn't able to grow up with the woman I felt so comfortable with watching her laugh and seeing similarities and how we laughed or would throw our legs up, you know, sort of one leg up when we laughed or what have you. And I think what I learned from that is the power of our biology, you know, it's just like what we bring into the world and also the power of where we grow up and within the family that we grow up in. And I just sort of felt like that I was living in this water treading the waters between my birth land and my adoptive land. And what I needed to figure out is how do I bridge that gap? That's what came to me, I think, in that moment, even as a teen is like, I feel like I'm treading water somehow. I don't know how to put words to it yet, but I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to bridge the gap between these two worlds that, that are very much mine but feel so separate from each other. And I think that maybe is harming me. Gotcha. That's pretty darn insightful for somebody so young. But I think that when you're searching for something to fill something, fill a gap, fill a void, we do that internal reflection. We are almost pushed into that space because we want to fill those gaps. We want to feel worthy. We want to feel wanted. You did it. You flew by yourself, you went to another country, and you were starting to create that bridge. Yes. Your story is incredible. It is impactful. There's so much to it and so much complexity, so much emotion, and so much mindfulness. Did you ever just feel exhausted by it? Okay, I just need to shed this for a moment, shed it, shed it, and then kind of start rebuilding and slowly taking time to digest it, take it all in. When I landed in college, I went to college in New York and um, I was diagnosed um, with Hashimoto's thyroiditis. And I remember feeling exhausted, like down into the bones, exhausted and asking why has this happened what is autoimmune disease? Why is this turned up in my life? And, and, and initially it was like, well, of course, because I'm like, I'm broken. 
Mm-hmm. You know, as the doctor said at that time, your body's attacking itself. Why wouldn't this happen? I'm so broken, you know? Mm. And I, there was like a sense of guilt and shame that I had been diagnosed with this autoimmune disease. And I, I think my body was just so tired of trying to fight for a sense of worthiness. I was hustling every day, trying to best grades, doing things for my adoptive mother inside of a home where my father was sick and trying to be that perfect daughter, trying to make her happy, trying to please, you know, and in this, and in, in, in the doing of all of that, trying to prove to myself that I was worthy of being in this life. And so when I hit college, it all just hit me. Mm-hmm. I took some time in New York to really start the journey, just like breath by breath, little step by little step of loving myself again. You know, I will tell you, I had a professor, her name was Dr. Warby, and she was amazing. And I I studied literature with her and I I was taking a a course in African-American women writers. And that's when I was introduced to Maya Angelou Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. Toni Morrison. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, these rich, rich, rich voices that were mothering me and spoke to me like no one else, like no other woman, no other soul had ever spoken to me before. It was as if they knew me and they were helping me through their words, through their own journeys begin to know myself. And that's why I'm such a big believer in the power of story. We we so want to hide the imperfections of our stories and pretend like those things don't exist. But that's where our power is found. That is really the place of our core power. And when I read the stories of these women and what they had been through in their lives, the sorrow, the challenge, the trauma, I began to recognize that, oh my goodness, maybe, just maybe, I need to be again to look at my own because maybe that's the place where I'm going to find a sense of liberation and freedom from what is shackling me from being the woman I'm here to be, the person I'm here to be. And that class literally changed my life. And I always say, Maya mothered me. (laughs) And she did. We have mothers along the way. We don't, you know, we think a mother has to look one way, but oh my goodness, we can be mothered by um, so many in so many different ways. We can be mothered by nature. We can be mothered by, by someone's words, their sharings. It's just incredible if we allow ourselves to be open to what the miracle is in the messiness of life, you know? And I think I started discovering my own miracles through the the writings of Maya and Tony, Maya Angelou and Tony Morrison truly changed my life and set me on the course of healing myself. Well, thank you for taking us through that evolution and how you started that journey of healing and really identifying how you walk in this world and how you wanted to not letting other people define who Michelle is. I was a lit major too in undergrad at Berkeley. And one of my favorite books was The Bluest Eye by Toni Morrison. Hmm. And it's got a lot of trauma in there. A lot of these storytellers tell these stories because they've lived the trauma too. And I distinctly understand what you're saying about our stories are so important. If we don't tell these stories or start our healing process somehow by sharing, by talking, by understanding, by identifying, it's going to manifest itself in different ways. It's interesting, well, you talk about this, that 
somehow this started to manifest in your life and started inflaming. And it was going to say, stop, wait a second. There's some work that needs to be done because your body, the cellular structure of your body is going to start showing this inflammation. It's telling you something. Mm-hmm. And you did, and you listened, and you took the time, and through the mothering, and through the self-reflection, and through the new journey that you wanted, and you chose to walk, you started developing a, a new journey that was more in tune, more in alignment with who you are and who you wanted to be. Let's talk about Let Us Be Greater, a gentle guided path to healing for adoptees. Oh, it's my love letter to adoptees, <laughs> honestly, Aww. my love letter to myself too. Um, as adoptees, we have been conditioned like so many adoptee or non-adoptee to, you know, stay small, soften our voice, don't share um, the imperfections of our story. And it is not serving us as an adoptee community, certainly not as a people And what I wanted to do within Let Us Be Greater is share part of my journey, moments from my own journey, the discovery, self-discovery, awakenings, I like to call them adoptee awakenings along the way, that led me back home to myself, that brought me to a place of reunion within. Um, I share the stories in the book of some of those I have coached and their own um, important, meaningful journeys, and ultimately um, approaches soul work modalities, if you will, that can allow the reader to welcome themselves into their own life, um, to reclaim the earliest version of who they were. I call it my first me, my Julia Dawn. I had to build a bridge back to her in order to bring her forward across the bridge to a new life together, to explore the story of our grief, because our grief holds a wealth of wisdom. You know, there is wisdom in the wound. If we're willing to go there and explore and excavate those parts of ourselves, I think ultimately it leads to our freedom. You know, and moving through the areas in our life where we have felt like we can't access truth, um, the fear of rejection, all of these real life experiences as adoptees, um, feeling banished from our biology, the very real point of pain of feeling like we have to please others before we can ever listen to the the, the longings of our own heart, you know, and our own souls coming back to truth amidst the trauma. Because if we think about adoption, it's not what we hear in the wider narrative, but adoption loss is real and it is trauma. You know, something had to come apart before something comes together. Something had to be severed before something else could be sown. My mom, my first mom had to leave me in that foster home before I could be adopted by another family. You know, there was a, there was a separation and a severing and within that space is trauma And we bury it and we think that we can't look at it and it doesn't serve us in becoming who we're here to be. It doesn't help us to heal. I believe silence hinders healing. I was told for a very long time within my own adoptive home, you know, just be grateful. You know, don't think about what came first. I couldn't not think about what came first because it's a part of me. And so being able to express that openly, honestly, in the ways that feel good and right for me, in the ways that feel good and right for each individual adoptee is something I very much believe in. 
And I'm passionate about sharing that because when we share our truth, we're not trying to hurt someone, but we sure are trying to heal ourselves. And in the doing, in the healing of the individual, I do believe that there is a collective healing because we usher that energy forward to help another along the way. And so I pray that this book is that kind of blessing in the lives of those who read it. Well, I believe that you're a blessing for writing the book. So thank you for sharing your journey and the different ideas and concepts where other people can learn from you. You've mentioned so much here in just a short conversation about an awakening, reunions within. I love the way you put that. That's so cool because I'm thinking, how is she going to, I I don't want to call it label, but how is she going to bring that together and What was that awakening for you? What micro and macro reunions were you having within? You have an individual trauma and a shared trauma, a shared trauma with that bio mom. And so when you saw her, you were sharing those experiences and you went from angry to shedding, shedding that anger, walking towards her in that lilac dress. It's an evolution and it's a different experience. So thank you for sharing that experience, for being a adoptee empowerment life coach, because I know you have so much wisdom that you can impart and help others with their journey and their process. That's so important. And I love how you got really granular about what you do, because more people need that support. Thank you. Absolutely. I'm going to ask you, what are two messages from your book that you really want people to think about? What are two things that you would want them to walk away with? I really want them to understand that there's a lot that we place on our little shoulders as young people. We place the traumas of others, the baggage, the burdens, the pain of others on our shoulders. So often as children, we we do so much self-blame and we're so innocent, yet we put that weight on our shoulders and the baggage moves with us as we go and as we grow. And it whispers things like, you know, if they left, then someone else will leave too. And you have to be perfect because if you're not perfect, they're going to send you back as well. You know, and all of these, these thoughts, these limiting thoughts keep swirling in our heads and the baggage gets heavier and heavier and heavier and weighs us down. I want people to know, and there is an exercise in the book to help them once and for all recognize that the baggage of others was never theirs to carry and that they can place the baggage down. And through a very compassionate, simple, yet very impactful exercise, we do that. It's called putting down the baggage and that you can empower yourself forward from that place where we lighten our load and and we then are open to receiving truths that have not yet been able to penetrate our spirits because we've been so laden with the baggage of past. And the other thing would be to explore this concept of the light within you. Because if you sit in stillness and you close your eyes, you feel it and it wants you to come to it. It wants you to explore what that is for you. You know, they say that the light around us is great, but the light within us is greater. And I believe that when you feel that spark of light, be a super observer, be curious. I think that curiosity is the cure and allow yourself to explore 
what that is for you. Where, what, where is that light trying to direct you? Is it directing you toward a deeper place of healing, a deeper place of knowing? Is it trying to illuminate your way forward? It is stepping into the next greater version of who you're here to be. Be curious about that light and understand that, yes, we have points of pain along this journey on this planet, but with curiosity, with compassion, and with care, we can transform those points of pain into our points of light and ultimately into the triumphant journey that is our life. Claim your life and the truth of what that means for you. I I don't want people to spend another day in the darkness, contemplating their worth, ashamed about their story, Do the beautiful self-healing work of beginning to embrace those things, because I promise you within the wound and within the brokenness lies the path forward to everything that you already know you are here to do and to be. Mm -hmm. Those are the two things I'd love to, to share. Thank you so much. As we come to the close of the interview, my last question is, and it's similar to the previous one, if you were to leave the listeners with one tip or micro step that they can create to really love their path, what would that be? To stop right in this moment, right here, right now, and put your hand over your heart and feel your beating heart. Your heart beats for you over 100,000 times a day. You don't have to even think about it. It is beating for you. It's a gift. And if we can feel our beautiful beating heart, if you can feel your beautiful beating heart right here, right now, and if you can accept it as a gift, then please also accept that every moment in your life can be a gift. If you're willing to look for the miracle in the mess, if you're willing to just get still for a moment and connect to a deeper part of yourself, because that wisdom, it wants to speak to you and through you. And if we can connect, first and foremost, I believe every single morning, Summer, I connect to my heart, my heart space. And I remind myself not to get in the head because the head's going to tell me all the ways that I'm not able to do the things that I'm here to do. But my heart speaks truth. Connect to your heart each and every day. Feel the beauty of its beating. Understand it's a gift. It's there for you each and every day. It is your life force. And if you have breath, you have purpose. And wait for the little truths that come to you in that place of stillness and that place of connection, because it will lead you forward. It doesn't have to be this grand thing all at once. I believe healing these little steps. We peel back a layer and then we peel back another layer. Just be willing to stay with that. Be patient as you heal. Be patient with yourself and love yourself through it all. Thank you, Michelle, for joining me on the Core Women podcast today. Thank you. It's been an honor. Thank you so much. You can follow Michelle Madrid at themichellemadrid.com, on Instagram at themichellemadrid, and on Facebook at Let Her Be Greater. Thank you for joining us on the Core Women Podcast with Dr. Summer Watson. We're so glad you're here and would love to connect more with you. Find us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Core Women and on Twitter at Core Women One. For more about Core Women and Dr. Watson, visit corewomen.com. Want more support and resources for amazing women like you? Great! 
Join Dr. Watson and Jen Fontanilla at the Life, Love, and Money Collective, a core women production that aids in understanding the key traits that might be getting in the way of living a life that you are absolutely passionate about. Connect with Summer and Jen and find out more at thelifeloveandmoney.com.